Are you trying to squeeze the starting solid food stuff into your already busy schedule? Well, I have an all-in-one done-for-you solution that's going to take the guesswork out of feeding your baby. My online program is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro. It contains all of my baby led weaning training videos, the original 100 First Foods content library, plus a 100-day meal plan with recipes like the exact sequence of which foods to feed in which order. So if you want to stop trying to piece all this feeding stuff together on your own, I would be honored if you would join me inside of the program. You can get signed up at babyledweaning.co slash program. Checking in about food allergies and introducing allergenic foods. And have you done peanut with your baby yet? Well, intact nuts and thick globs of nut butters like peanut butter are choking hazards for babies, but we want to get that peanut protein into your baby early and often in order to help lower the risk of peanut allergy down the road. My absolute favorite way to introduce peanuts for babies is using the Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs. So When you hear puffs, like you're probably like, oh, those starchy little puff things. Like, no, no, no. Not the little ones that earlier eaters can't pick up. Those kind of crappy puffs from the store that have added sugar and refined grains and lots of salt. Uh uh. The Puffworks baby peanut puffs have no added sugar. They have just a smidge of sodium for preservatives, and they are the perfect size for baby led weaning. They're about the size of your adult pinky finger. So, you can, baby can pick them up, self-feed them, but they're so soft that they dissolve in your baby's mouth so you can introduce these peanut puffs even before your baby has teeth. Puffworks also makes a baby almond puff for the safe introduction of a separate allergenic food category. That's tree nuts. And now, finally, Puffworks put out a combo case. So it's half baby peanut and half baby almond. So if you want to grab one case, then you can knock out two new allergenic foods. We do these on different days, though. These are just the no-stress, low-mess way to get peanut and tree nut out of the way. So you can get 15% off everything at puffworks.com when you use the affiliate discount code BLWPOD. That's a new code. It's BLWPOD. Use that sucker at checkout at puffworks.com and get peanut and tree nut safely out of the way. As parents or caregivers, we're responsible for when we offer opportunities to eat and what we choose to offer. And children are responsible for if they're going to eat, what they're going to choose, and how much. So I think if we're thinking about the opposite of that, right, it's an adult taking over the child's responsibilities, determining what they're going to eat, how much they're going to eat, trying to get them to eat more or differently or less of certain foods, trying to pressure them to do the things that we think they should be doing instead of tuning into them, observing, understanding what they're communicating to us about their experiences and what they're intrinsically motivated to try and learn. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding, leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby-led weaning. Well, hello and welcome back. My guest today is Stephanie Cohen, a speech-language pathologist, feeding therapist, and lactation counselor. Stephanie was on the podcast a little while back teaching us about picky eating prevention tips. We kind of in that interview, started down a side tangent about the role of responsive feeding techniques in the transition to solid foods. And I wanted to ever come back and talk a little bit more about that because there's so much research and chatter about responsive bottle feeding. We actually just covered that on the podcast a few episodes ago, but too often the responsive piece gets like dropped at six months of age. Like, why are we so inclined 
to hear about the benefits of watching for your baby's cues during breastfeeding or early bottle feeding. But then when we start solid foods, like the default is to strip away your baby's autonomy and that, that autonomy that they've been showing you. And we now want to help the baby direct their food intake, but instead parents shove arbitrary amounts of gross period food down the baby's throat. So like, where are we going wrong here? Stephanie and I are both working in our respective areas for her that's speech language pathology, for me as a dietitian and nutrition, but we're both mutually interested in this idea of extending the responsive feeding message that's so prevalent in the first six months of life. We want to push that into the second half of infancy, which is when your baby starts solid foods. And it's so important. And it's the underlying kind of the underpin basically of baby led weaning is that your baby is the one leading the way. Okay. We can get out of our baby's way and let them do the thing that they are designed to do. So in this interview, Stephanie is going to be sharing three easy responsive feeding techniques that you can use to spot check whether or not you are being a responsive individual as the facilitator of this whole solid food transition thing with your baby. Ultimately, your baby's in charge and Stephanie's gonna walk us through what it means to be a responsive feeder in the solid food space. So with no further ado, here is Stephanie Cohen teaching about three easy responsive feeding techniques for you and your baby when you're starting solid foods. Hi, Katie, I'm so happy to be here again. All right, before we dive into some responsive feeding tips, share with me... What are you working on these days? What's really exciting you right now? Oh my gosh, so many things. So I am one of the founding board members of the Chicago Feeding Group, which is a 501c3 nonprofit. And one of our um, most important goals as an organization is to work on access to support for children with feeding challenges and their families through early intervention programs around the country. So in the last year, we've developed this wonderful educational workshop that we're offering to program administrators starting here in Chicagoland and hoping to expand around the country, just helping folks understand the importance of mealtimes and the impact of feeding challenges on family life. And early intervention is all about supporting children in their natural environment, helping to make family routines, daily routines easier. And as you and I know, children eat eight, 10 times a day in infancy, five to eight times a day in toddlerhood. So so what I'm really excited about is that we're starting to have an impact in helping folks see that they really can make a difference in a family's life by just understanding that we can offer early and high quality support through early intervention programs. I love that. And we recently did an episode on responsive bottle feeding. We had Allison Ventura, who's a PhD researcher from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. She does a lot of work with WIC and their responsive feeding initiatives here in California. What I was hoping for in this episode, could you kind of extend this idea of responsive feeding? Like, how does that apply in the latter half of infancy? Like when families are starting solid foods with babies, like how do you define responsive feeding? What is it? So we know that in infancy, we're talking a lot about reading cues, right? And following baby's lead. And it really is no different as infants grow. The major shift though, is that infants are starting to become more independent. They're starting to build skills. They're starting to be able to do it themselves. And as they grow into toddlers, their drive for independence and autonomy becomes even stronger. So as parents, hopefully we're responsive parents and we're noticing what our children are communicating to us and we're supporting autonomy. And in my mind, this just gets more pervasive um, in toddlerhood. There are more opportunities for infants and toddlers to be independent and learn new skills and maybe do it wrong and maybe figure out how to do it more efficiently and discover what they like, discover what they enjoy. So there are just more opportunities to notice what our children are communicating verbally and non-verbally about their experiences 
and their preferences and their interests. And they're building just a wider skill set as they learn to use their hands in different ways. They explore utensils, they explore cups and straws. So it's just more, more, more and different. So I know we were talking before the recording, like the whole idea of responsive feeding, this is really nothing new. It's been in the literature, it's been evidence-based and supported for many years, but like, thankfully, I think it's being picked up more in the mainstream. But to our audience, the term even responsive feeding is likely very new to a lot of listeners. So I want to ask your opinion, what's the opposite of responsive feeding? Like, what do we not want to do when it comes to starting solid foods if we in turn do want to be responsive in nature with our babies? So I go back to the idea of the division of responsibility, which I know you've talked a lot about on different episodes of your podcast and in your work, but it's this idea that as parents or caregivers, we're responsible for when we offer opportunities to eat and what we choose to offer. And children are responsible for if they're going to eat, what they're going to choose and how much. So I think if we're thinking about the opposite of that, right, it's an adult taking over the child's responsibilities determining what they're going to eat, how much they're going to eat, trying to get them to eat more or differently or less of certain foods, trying to pressure them to do the things that we think they should be doing instead of tuning into them, observing, understanding what they're communicating to us about their experiences and what they're intrinsically motivated to try and learn. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's a convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online experience. All you do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I used to think therapy was just for people who have experienced major trauma. But therapy can help you be at your best no matter what you're going through. So whether it's to learn new positive coping skills, set more realistic boundaries, or just show up as a better version of yourself, BetterHelp is here to help. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there and BetterHelp can help you. Visit BetterHelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month. Stephanie, when you're doing an assessment in your feeding practice, like what actions or behaviors do you look for or ask about to determine whether or not the family is engaged in responsive feeding? Like if this is even something that you do, I don't know. Absolutely, it is. So as I'm getting to know a family, I do a lot of observing and ask a lot of questions. I just try to maintain curiosity to just get to know families as individuals, to understand what parents' goals are at mealtime, to understand how mealtimes feel for families and help parents just understand what to expect. So I really start most evaluations with just a simple observation. I tell parents, I just want to share a meal with you. I just want to see what mealtime is like in your house. You don't need to do anything special or differently because I'm there, although it probably will feel a little bit different because it's weird to have a stranger come in and watch you feed your child or eat with your child. But really, I just want to learn how your routines feel for everyone involved and go from there. I also ask parents, what feels challenging for you? What's hard for you? I think if we understand parents' 
priorities and what their goals are for mealtime routines, we can help them figure out how to get there. The other piece of this that you and I have talked about before is gauging just what do parents know about eating? What do they know about how children learn to eat? Because if a parent understands that we can often achieve the best possible outcome or have the best experiences when we support autonomy and independence, then those parents can make more responsive choices in terms of how they offer opportunities to their child. Stephanie, I'm hoping you could share three easy techniques that our parents and caregivers who are listening could start enacting with their own babies today to help ensure that they're being responsive feeders. Katie, I think the first thing is coming to the table, being open and curious and not necessarily having an agenda, but instead thinking about my job or what I get to do as a parent that's part of this mealtime is offer my child opportunities to discover what they love. That's the first thing. It's not about offering the right foods the right way, exactly in the right order. It's about this process of discovering what your child's interested in and following their lead. That's my number one. Number two, I think it's really important to understand how to support emotional comfort, sensory comfort, and help children build confidence at the table. And these are concepts shared by Marcia Dunklein. I've learned so much from her about this, that when we help children feel good, not just physically, but emotionally at the table, things tend to go a little bit better than if we're pushing them past a point of comfort. So that's number two. And number three, this is super simple. Eat with your children. It doesn't have to be that you have plated a four-course meal and everyone is sitting and ready to eat at this picture-perfect table. It can simply be that you can grab that piece of avocado that your child is also trying to explore and take some bites. We know that modeling and social learning is so powerful and that when children see their big people eat something, it sends them a message that, oh, my safe person is eating that. That must be a safe thing for me to try. I'm going to try it too. Maybe not right then in that moment, but over time. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I love those. It's one thing I love about all of your content and the work that you guys do at the Get Permission Institute with Marsha. Like sometimes you can feel like very overwhelming, complex issues, but you guys make it so super simple for parents to put into practice. Stephanie, where can our audience go to learn more about your work and the services you offer? So your audience can find me at the Get Permission Institute. My workshops are there. We've got a great infant and toddler feeding workshop called Learning Through Opportunity, Feeding in Infancy and Feeding in Toddlerhood that I'm really excited about. I've got a workshop coming up in March called Trust at the Table, and that's all about communicating, communication at the table, which we know is such a critical and important part of learning to eat and connection. You can also find me on TikTok and on Instagram at Learn to Talk with Me. And Karen and I recently published an article in ASHA's Special Interest Group 13's Perspectives Journal called Pediatric Feeding in Early Intervention, Expanding Access, Improving Outcomes, and Prioritizing Responsive Feeding. So we were really excited to have the opportunity 
to bring together all of the research that supports this this approach or this lens that we use when we're working with families and the importance of supporting families through early intervention programs around the country. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. This has been super helpful. I really appreciate your insights and your expertise. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun and let's do it again. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Stephanie Cohen. I'm going to put all of the responsive feeding materials that she mentioned, as well as her social and web presence links. So I'll be in the show notes for this episode, which you can find right where you're listening to this podcast. Or if you go online to blwpodcast.com forward slash 312. Special thanks to our partners at Airwave Media. They have some amazing podcasts for those of you who like podcasts about food and science and using your brain. They're on Amrave Media. We're online at blwpodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time. From the terrifying power of tornadoes to sizzling summer temperatures, AccuWeather Daily brings you the top trending weather-related story of the day, seven days a week. You can learn a lot in just a few minutes with stories about impending hurricanes, winter storms, or even what not to miss in the night sky. So listen and subscribe to AccuWeather Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's AccuWeather Daily wherever you get your podcasts.